0: This week on the podcast, we're talking about why the Walt is so important in Walt Disney World. Yes, we're talking about all things Disney history. And my guest, wow, he's the perfect person to be talking about this with. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Francine and you're listening to the Pixie Dust Fan Podcast, a podcast where our first topic of conversation will always be Disney. I've been a Disney fan for as long as I can remember, and I'm determined to bring more of that Disney magic into my everyday life. So if you need a little extra pixie dust in your day, you've come to the right place. Thanks so much for listening and let's get started. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Pixie Dust Fan Podcast. I am so excited to introduce my guest, Jeff Barnes today. Hi, Jeff.
1: Hi, Francine. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are
1: you? I'm doing great. And I want to say hello, not just to you, but to everyone who is listening and, um, you're excited to have me. Honestly, I'm more excited to be with you and everyone who's listening.
0: Oh, see, you're so flattering. So, Jeff, for those of everyone listening, you are the author of best-selling books, "The Wisdom of Walt" and "Beyond the Wisdom of Walt." You're a motivational speaker, a leadership coach, and you you actually teach the only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland. Like what? you're you're known as Doctor Disneyland, and but I'm just going to call you Jeff. Is that okay?
1: You know, either, either Jeff or Dr. Disneyland, both work for me. And um, it's funny, I work in higher education and everybody insists on being called Dr. This or Dr. That. But um, if you know anything about Walt Disney, he only ever wanted to be called Walt. In fact, um, probably my favorite Walt story goes back to when a cast member one morning when they were meeting Walt for the first time, referred to him as Mr. Disney. And uh, Walt stopped uh, the cast member and said, you know, young lady, there are only two misters in Disneyland, Mr. Toad and Mr. Lincoln. Please call me Walt. And so even higher education, I insist that my students call me Jeff. Because if Walt was good enough for Walt Disney, then we'll... Jeff should be good enough for Jeff Barnes. And if someone insists on calling me doctor, then I always go with Dr. Disneyland as opposed to Dr. Barnes. Cause again, it's just, it's too pretentious.
0: Oh, that is such a great story. And I love that. My, uh, my friends, you know, we're all sort of Disney geeks, but my friend Carrie is an actual Disneyland nerd and she's over the moon that I'm talking to Mr. Dr. Disneyland. <laughs> So I, you know, for everyone listening, I had wanted to do an episode. um, It's kind of a pet peeve of mine when people call it Disney World, um, as opposed to Walt Disney World. And I kept thinking, I want to do an episode on why the Walt is so important, um, because I know it is to me. And then I started thinking, well, who would be the best person to talk about this with? And of course, it was you, you know, all of your your Everything about you screams the history of Walt and why Walt was so important to all of us That this is kind of the perfect topic for us to talk about
1: Yeah, and I appreciate you reaching out to me and um, I, I love that You know a that's what you want to talk to me about and and B that's sort of the first question uh, Out of the gate and you know, it, it, it really goes back to um, You know what the Florida project? you know, was all about, Uh, you know, after the success of Disneyland, which actually, you know, was initially going to be called Mickey Mouse Park when Walt had about eight extra acres next to the studio in Burbank. And he, you know, drew this whole thing up and, you know, pitched it the city council in Burbank. And they rejected the idea telling Walt that they didn't want a carnival atmosphere in his town or in their town. Um, well, rather than giving up, which is what I think most of us would have done, Walt simply dreamed bigger, and rather than building Mickey Mouse Park on the eight acres next to the studio in Burbank, he, he found 160 acres in an orange grove in Anaheim and turned it not into Mickey Mouse Park, but into Disneyland. And I always you know, wonder, well, the eight acres were never going to be big enough, and so you know, Burbank really did Walt a favor, and we know this because the hundred and sixty acres in Anaheim, well, those weren't big enough either, because it didn't take him long before he was looking and dreaming even bigger with the twenty seven thousand four hundred and forty acres that ultimately became Yes Walt Disney World in Central Florida. Well, while he was purchasing those acres, and as they were working on the quote-unquote Florida Project, it had a number of different names. And Florida Project was one of them. Project X was another name. Of course, Walt's final film was the Epcot film, where he talks about it being the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And of course, that was going to be the progress city or the city of tomorrow. And And the Disney company gets around to building that in 1982. um, You know, they build it as another theme park, not as the city of the future, which is what Walt's dream and Walt's vision was all about in, you know, the middle or late 1960s. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, that being Walt's final film, you know, he's diagnosed with lung cancer in November of 1966 is given six months to two years to live, and and Walt dies in less than five weeks. And, you know, Roy, who is on his way to retirement, being eight years older than Walt, Roy um, comes out of retirement for the sole purpose of seeing his brother's final dream and his final wish fulfilled. And it was Roy's insistence that the Florida Project our Project X be called not Disney World, but Walt Disney World. And his specific reference was um, to other companies um, and, and specifically the Ford Motor Company and the way in which, you know, everybody drives a Ford motor car, but they don't think of it as the Henry Ford Motor Company. They only ever think of it as Ford. And he wanted Disney World to be known not as Disney World or as Disney. He wanted it to be known specifically as Walt Disney World in honor of his brother, the specific individual who dreamed of the place that he um, was coming out of retirement to see that final wish and that final dream fulfilled. And so yes, it was Walt's dream. Yes, it was Walt's vision but it was Roy's insistence that it be called Walt Disney World at his brother's death. And so I I think it's important that we hold on to that, not just for Walt, but I think as much for Roy as well.
0: Oh, that's such a good point that, you know, it is to honor Roy as well. It, It meant so much to him to have Walt's name at the beginning. And I'd never actually heard that story about the Ford Motor Company but you're right nobody really thinks of anything outside of Ford it's it's just a company name and yeah. and by having Walt Disney World it, it references the man that dreamed it up and and I'm so glad that that Roy had that and I wish I almost wish there was something that honored Roy the same way because he really saw this through he's the one that that finished this yeah. off
1: well and, and there's a couple of stories that I think Take it even deeper. Um, first of all, you know, Walt goes bankrupt with his very first studio, Laffergram Studio in Kansas City, Missouri, way back in 1923. And it's the bankruptcy that compels him to come to California. And, and Walt makes that decision by boarding the train with $40, a single suitcase, and a one way ticket. And uh, once he arrives in Los Angeles, he then joins forces with Roy, his older brother, and then together they found the Disney Brothers Studio that, of course, today is the largest entertainment company anywhere in the world. And I always tell people, you know, the difference between Lafagram Studio in Kansas City, which went bankrupt, and the Disney Brothers Studio, that again today is the largest entertainment company in the world, the difference between those two studios isn't Walt, it's Roy. And the brothers together really became what I believe is the most successful business partnership in history. And, you know, Walt gets all the credit because ultimately it became, you know, the Walt Disney Studio. Um, But we can't forget Roy's place. We can't forget the importance and the significance of that partnership. And, yeah, Walt was the visionary and Walt was the creative genius. But it was Roy who kept things grounded. And it was Roy who was really the financial genius who helped make all of this possible. And, uh, you know, when it came to Disneyland, Roy, um, Roy didn't believe in it. Uh, he, he thought it was going to be bankrupt, shuttered, and forgotten in six months or less. And in Roy's defense, so did everybody else, to include, you know, the, the banks and the networks. and other corporations, uh, Walt's own wife, Lily, I mean, they all thought he was, you know, completely nuts. (laughs) But eventually Roy came around, so much so that it was Roy who purchased the very first ticket for all of one dollar on Monday morning, July 18th, 1955. And of course, by the time they get to the Florida project, again, it's Roy who comes out of retirement, to see that final dream and that final wish fulfilled. And, um, you know, Roy spends the next five years of his life, uh, willing Walt Disney world into fruition. And, uh, he gets it open in October of 1971 and two months later himself passes away while his family is at Disneyland. And so, uh, You know, a a lot of credit needs to go to Roy, not just for the overall success of Disney as a company, but I think specifically for what became Walt Disney World in Central Florida. And so, yeah, the reason why we call it Walt Disney World today is because from almost day one, it was Roy who said, We're going to call it Walt Disney World, and let's never forget. It was my brother's
0: dream. Oh, that's such, you know, and it's so important. And I kept thinking to myself, I always thought it was Walt Disney World. And it it was important to me that I always called it Walt Disney World. But then I had heard some other, um, like even in Bob Iger's book, he refers to it in one section as Disney World. And yes. I, I started to doubt myself and thinking, well, no, people people wouldn't do that. Um, so I'm happy to hear that that is indeed what it's called, and it should always be called Walt Disney World.
1: In- it, 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 yeah, it, that's Roy's insistence. And, um, you know, we get sloppy, we get lazy, um, mm-hmm. and I love Diger's book. Uh, I, I've been recommending it to as many people as possible. Um, it was a
0: terrific book. It really a book. was.
1: Yeah, But the, the correct nomenclature is Walt Disney World. And by the way, when you when you walk into uh, Magic Kingdom, and I'm sure you know this, um, you know, I, I love uh, the partner statue, not of Walt and Mickey at the end of Main Street, but of Roy and Minnie, Minnie sitting on the bench at the front end of Main Street, because again, that's a reminder of the other side of that really, really, really important partnership
0: absolutely and it's such a great statue um and you're right it's right at the front of the park when you go in and it's a good reminder for how important roy was to all of this and he really was the balance to walt
1: yes absolutely
0: and i think you know you're right we do give the visionary and and all of walt's dreams always come front and center but it's it's very important i love the way you put that that it's the one of the best partnerships in business that we've ever seen is because they were the perfect balance of vision and practicality and the ability to get things done.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think if Walt stays in Kansas city, he just keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. And at the same time, if Walt stays in Kansas city, Roy just keeps selling vacuum cleaners door to door here in Los Angeles and the world never, peers of either of them
0: and and look what they built together so absolutely if, when i look at the size i mean disneyland for me obviously holds all the nostalgia and it, it, when you do that tour in disneyland and you you walk where where walt walked and and you hear the stories while you're walking through the park it, it's kind of you can't feel any closer in my mind to them than you do there. but Walt Disney world to me is sort of everything he thought he could do after he he had Disneyland. How can I do bigger and better than, than what I have already built?
1: Yeah. It's it's interesting because um, for me, Disneyland is, is, is the charm and you're right. um, You know, Walt, you know, individually and personally paced out every single step of that orange grove in Anaheim. Whereas, uh, you know, he passed away six months before they ever broke ground in Florida. And, you know, for Walt, Florida was going to be all about Epcot. Yes, they always were going to do a Magic Kingdom or what I like to call Disneyland Mm -hmm. 2.0. But his real interest was in that Tomorrowland or City of Tomorrow. His real interest was in Epcot, and so um, you know I like going to Magic Kingdom, but I I feel Walt's presence more in Florida when I go to Epcot. Even though Epcot isn't what Walt had envisioned, uh, I feel its presence more in Epcot than I than I do Magic Kingdom, um, because again I have Disneyland here in Southern California. And you know his his spirit is everywhere at the original Magic Kingdom, and they're 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 so similar and yet at the same time so very very different.
0: Absolutely. And where in Disneyland do you feel like? Is there a certain spot in Disneyland you feel <laughs> the closest to him, or
1: it, it's, it, you can't get away from him? You know? <laughs> it, 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 it's uh, you know it's it's just it, it's so it um. It's so interesting, um, boy. I mean, for me, Fantasyland, um, and, and we were just there yesterday. Um, you know, when you when you walk, I mean, Fantasyland is 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 north here in Anaheim, and I think it represents the true north of Disneyland. And what I mean by that, um, it, it's the heart of his vision—a place where parents and children kind to have fun together. Uh, Walt wanted to be remembered most as a storyteller and he wanted to build Disneyland for the purpose of telling stories. And that's the heart of the original Fantasyland dark ride stories of, you know, Snow White scary adventures, Peter Pan's flight, Mr. Toad's wild ride. Uh, you've got the King Arthur carousel, which goes back to the you know, Griffith park merry-go-round where he first dreamed of a place with Diane and Sharon, where parents again could have uh you know fun with their kids and um you know even um you know even the casey jr circus train or the storybook Mm -hmm. land canal boats which you don't have at magic kingdom in florida uh, it's it's those charming little um attractions like that that get to the heart and the essence of what walt wanted in that original dream and that original vision and um it's just they're they're everywhere in Disneyland, but but specifically Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to go a little broader than that, um, th- then I would say the railroad, because uh, you know Walt got into model railroading in the late '40s, early '50s, uh, to the point where uh, he began to have the railroads take over uh, the backyard uh, in their home in Los Angeles. And at one point, Lily said, you know, Walt, I love you and I love your trains, but, um, you know, I kind of want my, my, my flower garden back and you <laughs> need to find, you know, someplace else for your railroad. And he did. And, it, and it's called Disneyland. Wow. And if you think of Disneyland as a giant kid's train set, um, it really changes your perspective on the park. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you came to Disneyland in the late 50s or early 60s on a Saturday afternoon, Chances are it was Walt Disney who, you know, was your railroad engineer. Uh, He loved being a big kid running that train. And, um, you know, for me, you know, again, Fantasyland connects you to that place where parents and children can have fun together. But the railroad really gets you to Walt as really being that big kid himself. And I think, really, him having a chance to play with this giant toy that maybe growing up poor, he never had that, that place set himself. And now here he is at age 53, 54, 55, being the biggest kid with the biggest toy of all time.
0: That's so true. And I, that you're right. That train really does make you feel like you're so close to him. Cause you know how important that was to him
1: absolutely
0: the fantasy land there really is it is so different than than the one in in walt disney world now um because we don't have as many of those dark rides at walt disney world and you know we miss mr toad i can't believe that you know we don't have him anymore in florida oh yeah it's terrible. I, we miss them so much. Um, but you, know, even Snow White Scary Adventures, you know, now we have the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but still (sighs) not the same. Um, you know, so we do miss a lot of those, those dark rides and, and the unique attractions and the Casey Jr. Train, you know, it's not, it's not my biggest fan, but my friend Carrie absolutely loves it. We always have to ride when she's there so she can sing along. (laughs) It really is it's such a different kind of fantasy land than it, than it is in Walt Disney world. Yep. It's, it's almost like um, there's a lot more uh, magic there and I feel it. And the characters are roaming free. So there, there isn't um, you don't have the character handlers that, that they have in Walt Disney world.
1: Yeah. There's a certain level of um, magic. There's a certain level of charm. There's a certain level of, that goes with, I think, a smaller-sized park. And I tell people all the time, bigger doesn't always mean better. Mm -hmm. I I think it was Imagineer Tony Baxter who once said, Disneyland hugs you, Walt Disney World swallows you. And uh, I'd probably rather be hugged.
0: That's, You know what? That's such a great analogy for that. It's, it's so difficult trying to explain the two to people um, and what the big difference is because, of course, it's just you know, sheer size, but there's so much more to it than that that mm-hmm. differentiates Disneyland from Walt Disney World.
1: Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, if, if, if you add up uh, the number of attractions between Disneyland and California Adventure, which you can get to, um, it, this is the other huge piece, I mean, you can park hop between the two parks at uh, the Disneyland Resort. You can park hop within three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. You can park hop in Florida, you know, it, it'd take you an hour. Right. Um, uh, between the, the two uh, parks at Disneyland Resort versus the three or the four parks in, in Florida, you actually have more rides and more attractions in California than you do in Florida. And people don't actually realize that. And really? so even though California is quote unquote smaller, um, Disneyland packs a bigger punch.
0: And what, so when you think about um, California adventure, what's your take on Cars Land?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, um, Cars Land is, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, is- And 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 just a fantastic accomplishment um, for for three reasons. First of all, uh, we we just celebrated um, California Adventures' 19th birthday or anniversary, and it it really did sort of redeem uh, what had prior to 2012 not been a very successful park, and um, really brought um, Disneyland's second gate into its own. I, I don't think anybody can go to California Adventure now and say um you know that it's an inferior park or they didn't get their money's worth or it's it's not worth seeing. Um, it, it, it's, it's as good a second park as Disney has anywhere in the world in my opinion. agree. Um,
0: Absolutely agree.
1: Secondly um, I, I think story-wise, it, it, it ties in absolutely fantastic with what they're trying to do uh, with California Adventure, particularly when you think about the migration that took place in, and I, I teach U.S. history, but when you think about what took place in uh, the 20th century with, um, you know, people moving uh, Route 66 uh, from Chicago to California, Chicago to Los Angeles, which is what the story of Cars is all about. Um, and you visually get to sort of see that in that land represented. And um, in, in, in Walt got to experience it. Granted, he did it by train, um, but that's sort of what is happening by way of Buena Vista Street. And then you get to see it by car, um, via. Cars Land, um, just behind Buena Vista Street, the way in which those two stories are connected narratively I think is very, very powerful. But there's another layer here that I'm not sure people realize, but I think it's like really, really cool. If you go back to um, what Walt was trying to accomplish at laugh Studio in Kansas City, he was working on a series of shorts called The Alice Comedies where he was taking a little girl and putting her into very rudimentary sort of animation. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a couple of reels left and that was um, what was in the single suitcase that he put on the train when he came out to Los Angeles. And he actually sold um, some of that when he got out to California, which helped jumpstart the Disney Brothers Studio. Well, when he came up with the idea for Disneyland, if you think about it, he's going to take these movies, he's going to take these cartoons, he's going to take these stories, and he's really creating this giant movie set, and he's going to allow the guests to step onto that set or step into those stories For the first time. Hmm. Well, go to Cars Land in 2012, and I've literally seen kids do this because kids don't understand the difference between live action and animation. Mm -hmm. Children think that Cars Land is where the movie Cars was filmed. Yes. (laughs) And how would they not know the difference, right? Right. And so, Carsland is literally the fulfillment of what Walt was trying to accomplish <laughs> with the Alice comedies way back at Lapagram Studios in 1923.
0: Wow. That is and so, d- that is cool.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And so here I am, like, as a guest, living in this cartoon land that is so real that kids don't know the difference between the animation and the live action.
0: That, uh, unbelievable. I think it's yeah. one of the best themed lands, if not the best, um, between all the parks, between Walt Disney World and Disneyland. I think it's, it's, when you walk in there, even as an adult, you feel like this is where they filmed it. If they hadn't drawn it, this is where they would have filmed it.
1: I, I would, and, and I, I love doing comparison and contrast. I I would argue, especially at night, and we just did, um, I, I had an opportunity to do a keynote at the Disneyland Hotel, and it was a really like large event. So there's an audience of almost 2,000 people, and they rented Carsland out from like 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So this was mm-hmm. like a really cool deal. Yeah. And so we got to we got to be a part of this thing. And um, if you've been to Carsland at night, there, there is nothing like it. At any Disney park in the world. No, I agree. And um, I, I, I would argue, uh, and and I love, I love Pandora World and Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. and 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 especially with Rise of the Resistance opening, you know, Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge is getting better and better, but um, Cars Land was better than both of them when they op- when it opened in 2012 sorry (laughs) this was
0: it is (laughs) now i'm a huge star wars fan but i i will say the same thing i think i think you know cars land really they nailed it they just nailed it and you know there is nothing like walking in and, and seeing the millennium falcon that's something that is just completely overwhelming but i think with cars land that it really it's the one place where I really felt like I was right in the movie. I think with Galaxy's yep. Edge, they intentionally didn't make it like any of the movies. So there wasn't that familiarity except for the Falcon. Yep. You don't really see anything from the movie. Oh, and of course, Oga's. Um, But Carsland is,
1: is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you, you don't have a week to talk to me about Galaxy's Edge. Um <laughs> Galaxy's Edge is Star Wars Z, but because there's no sense of place, you feel more lost than you do. Like like you know exactly where you are every step of the way in Cars Land.
0: Oh, for sure. It's it's like you can have a map yourself.
1: You yes. Know,
0: yeah, you know where exactly where everything yep. is.
1: Yep. And when you're on Radiator Springs Racers, and you turn that corner. And that music plays and the waterfall um, hits your peripheral vision. Um, th- there is a sense of emotion and 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 magic that um, it, th- there's nothing like it.
0: Absolutely. I think, and I, I love that sort of reference back to, you know, fulfilling Walt's vision from all those years ago. I, I never would have put all of that together. Yeah. Wow and so your your career um is looking at the history and and the wisdom of walt <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know how do how does Walt sort of inspire what you do every day you know obviously you you study, you know, but what does it mean to you every day?
1: Well, i mean i think um i mean the important piece for me. And I was I had a class at two o'clock this afternoon and I I was repeating to students exactly what I'm about to say to you and, and to the audience. Um you know Walt's been gone for more than 50 years now. And when we look back on his life and we look back on his career, I mean we think of him as this colossal success of you know, Mickey Mouse, No White and the Seven Dwarfs, Disneyland, Walt Disney World. And we just sort of assume that um, he was just always born that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, Walt Disney had a very difficult childhood. Uh, he had more failures than successes. Uh, bankrupt at age 23. Lost his first successful cartoon character. Oswald the not so lucky. Lucky. um, um more of his movies flopped at the box office, than succeeded. And even at age 53, um, he had to overcome every obstacle and every barrier imaginable to make his dream of a magic kingdom a reality. And, um, you know, the only difference between Walt Disney and you and me when it came to seeing his own dreams and his own goals and his own successes the reality was he, he just didn't give up. Yes. Um, Lily, I think, said it best when she said, "I've never seen Walt beaten at anything." You know I go back to the, the story of the eight acres at the studio in, in, in Burbank. You know he drew up his plans, he took it to the city council, and the, the city council turned him down. Well rather than giving up, Walt simply dreamed bigger. Um, I I think for most of us, we would have just, you know, folded the plans up in a drawer and moved on with our life.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: Walt, you know, just kept moving forward no matter what. And, you know, a, a big piece of what I try to tell folks is, you know, Walt sat on that park bench with his girls on a Saturday afternoon and had this idea for a place where parents and children could have fun together. Well, we all have ideas. I mean, that's, that's the currency. Um, and, and, and that's how we change our world. It, it's, it, it's, it's with our ideas, but what are you going to do about them? And, and Walt didn't just have an idea, but he got up off of that park bench and he did something with it. And you know, I, I shudder to think about you know, what would Anaheim look like today? What would Orlando look like today? What would our world look like today if Walt had not gotten up off of that park bench, been willing to face all of the obstacles and all of the conflict necessary to trust his idea and change our world with his idea? And quite frankly, Francine, what we need is more people who are willing to get up off of their park benches, trust their ideas, and start changing their world.
0: Wow. That is so, you know, it's so inspiring because it's, it's more about his perseverance and how he just kept going no matter what. And you're right. It's so easy to forget, um, that he did fail. And, you know, one of my favorite characters is Oswald, I think because he represents so much of that perseverance and, you know, even when, when things aren't going the way they're supposed to, um, it doesn't mean it's over. He just kept going. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he dreamed bigger, not smaller, which I think today in these days, we're all kind of guilty of that where you get knocked down a little bit. Instead you, you dream smaller because Mm -hmm. you, you try to reach something that's attainable and you think that's all you can, you can get to where the lesson from Walt is you just, you dream bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I go back to, you know, Walt wanting, to be remembered as a great storyteller. Well, we all love stories, right? It's, it's why we read books, it's why we go to the movies. I mean, quite honestly, it's what keeps bringing us back to the parks because Disneyland, Disney World, those attractions, they tell great stories. Well, everybody loves a great story. You know what we don't like? We don't like conflict. We don't like difficulty. Every great story requires conflict. And if you're going to live that great story, if you're going to achieve greatness, if you're going to see your dreams, your goals uh, become reality, you're, you're going to have to embrace conflict. You're going to have to overcome those obstacles. You're going to have to um, do something difficult at some point. It's just are. It's reality.
0: Wow. I love the way you frame that, that you know there isn't a good story without the conflict. Nope. So you just kind of have to welcome it in and and go with it,
1: yeah. otherwise, there's no story,
0: wow, it just isn't. <laughs> it's such a it's such a great way to look at it. And you know, going through the history and and hearing some of some of the walt stories, i I think you know, Jeff, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. And I I think <laughs> <laughs> I really could. And I, you know what, next time I'm in Disneyland, I'm going to have to meet up with you and buy you an ice cream. Be great. I, I think, <laughs> you know, you're all about the ice cream, right?
1: Um, I, I've been known to have a, a, an ice cream or two along the way.
0: <laughs> oh, well, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast, but when we wrap up our show, I'm always asking, um, my guests and myself sort of what brought you pixie dust this week. So, you know, trying to spread a little pixie dust around and, and just remind people things to be happy for. Um, Is there something this week that kind of brought you pixie dust?
1: Well, um, you know, there was, I got to take a couple of folks to Disneyland on Friday uh, with my wife. Um, He had not been since 1988 and she had not been since 2003. And um, we just had a great time. You know, they, um, they, they love getting to go. And uh, it's interesting to, to be with folks who, uh, you know, don't, um, don't go as often as we do and to see them sort of be transformed, you know, by the magic. And uh, I, especially, I mean, when you haven't been to Disneyland since 1988 and uh, all of a sudden you're on something like Rise of the resistance and you realize, man, um this, this park isn't the way I quite I mean, yeah, you do the classic attractions like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, and then you realize technology's changing.
0: Oh yes. And um,
1: <laughs> I gotta keep up. Yeah. And this is fun. Is
0: yeah. I can't imagine if you hadn't been there in that long and then to go and see something as epic as rise of the resistance, it's quite it's quite an attraction.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, wow. the size
1: and scale and the scope of that attraction, you you—you you, you, you can't explain it to people. They have no frame of reference for it, especially, I mean, if you haven't been there in 32 years and you're going to go from pirates to rise of the resistance. I mean, I just tell them, I'm like, it's not a ride. It's not a show. It's not an attraction. It's a 20 minute experience. So just, just, just go with it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. <laughs> Well, my pixie dust of the week, you know, not to sound cheesy um, because you're a guest on the show, but on your website, I was on your website the other day and I don't think I've ever watched that video on your homepage before, I, like from start to finish. And it was just, it was really inspiring just to be reminded, you know, some of the stuff that we even talked about today about Walt's failures and and talking about the courage and willingness to change. Um, you know, I think it's one of those, those videos that's going to give me a little pep talk when I need it, that I'm just going to head over to your website and, and, you know, watch that video when I need it. It's, it's, it's pretty inspiring. Oh, thank you. And so now where can people find you online?
1: They can find me at thewisdomofwalt.com. And uh, if they're looking for the books, they can find the books on Amazon. Uh, the first book, uh, which is based primarily on Disneyland, is The Wisdom of Walt Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. And then the follow up book is Beyond the Wisdom of Walt Life Lessons from the Most Magical Place on Earth. And again, they can find those on Amazon. And uh, there's hardcover copies, softcover copies, uh, ebook copies, and audible copies. And, um,. Again, um, you know, they can find those on Amazon. We also have a blog that's available at the website and uh, folks can also email me uh, at the website again, thewisdomofwalt.com.
0: That's awesome, Jeff. And I will make sure that I link to all of those in the show notes, to the books, to your website and, you know, make it easy for everyone to find you online. And Jeff, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast today.
1: All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you thanks for listening to another episode of the pixie dust fan podcast boy that was fun having jeff on the show and hopefully you got a little more insight into why the walt in walt disney world is so important if you enjoyed the episode share it with a friend tell somebody about it that you think might enjoy it i hope that you've subscribed so that you get a new episode every week and i thank you again for all of the support and the reviews and the comments you guys are the greatest. Till next time, remember that you are never too old to be young. Chase your dreams and design your own happily ever after.